Well, good morning. It is great to see you this morning, and I am very grateful to be back in the pulpit after being out of the pulpit the last two weeks. And a few of you have asked me, because you saw me around, I was still you know, here on Sundays, like, hey, why aren't you preaching? What's going on? What are you up to? And so let me share with you just briefly uh, what I was working on these past two weeks while Rob covered the pulpit for me. Um, I had two major projects I was working on. The first one is uh, I was finishing, finalizing my sermon calendar for the remainder of 2022 and all through 2023. And so I spent a lot of time just finalizing week by week exactly what we're going to be looking at together on Sunday mornings. And uh, do you want to hear what we've got planned? I need a little more excitement. I could just skip over this part. All right, thank you. Thank you for indulging me. Thank you. All right. Uh, So here's what we're going to do. Today begins a short mini-series covering kind of some obscure passages in the Old Testament, the fall high holy days, these holidays that God gave to the nation of Israel for them to observe each and every year. And today we're going to look at the Feast of Trumpets or Rosh Hashanah. Next week we're going to talk about Yom Kippur or the Day of Atonement. And then after that we're going to talk about the Feast of Tabernacles. And so we're going to look these next three weeks at these fall holy days, holidays, and uh, we'll make application for our life. So that's just a short little mini-series. Then after that is our Fall Fellowship Weekend. And we're going to have a guest speaker, Justin Early, the author of Habits of the Household, this book I've mentioned to you a number of times now. It is, in my opinion, the best book out right now on the household and parenting and all of that. So he's going to be speaking for us at the Fall Fellowship Weekend. Then after that, I'm going to begin a long series, three-part series that I'm entitling Following Jesus in a Fallen World. Following Jesus in a Fallen World. It's a three-part series that's going to take us through 2022 and all the way through 2023. Three parts to this big series. Part one is Following Jesus, Our Marching Orders our marching orders. We're going to look in depth at John chapters 13 through 17, also called the Upper Room Discourse. And in this particular section of the Gospel of John, Jesus, knowing that he's about to be killed, that he's about to be crucified, that he's about to ascend into heaven and return to the glory he had and enjoyed with the Father before uh, his incarnation, Jesus, knowing that he's about to go to heaven, he's gives his disciples their marching orders. What they're supposed to do between his death and resurrection and ascension and his return. So we're gonna take an in-depth look at following Jesus and we're gonna look at our marching orders as we're in this time between his ascension and his return. Part two of this large series entitled Following Jesus in a Fallen World, we're going to do a five-week study through the book of Lamentations. You think, really? Lamentations? That doesn't sound fun at all. It's not fun at all. Um, But following Jesus requires that we live a life of confession and repentance. Following Jesus requires that we live a life of confession and repentance, and that is what the book of Lamentations is all about. So that's part two of this major series. And then part three of this major series, and this is really the bulk of 2023, is we're going to talk about following Jesus in a fallen world as we move through the gospel of Mark. 
The Gospel of Mark is all about discipleship and following Jesus along the way. That phrase, along the way, is repeated over and over again as the disciples learn what it is to follow Jesus along the way, along this path of discipleship, and we're going to talk about what it is to follow Jesus in our fallen world. So that was the first major project that I worked on these last two weeks. The second major thing that I worked on these last two weeks was preparing for the upcoming trip to Israel that I've mentioned to you a time or two before. Uh, But uh, at the end of October, beginning of November 2023, I'm going to lead another trip to Israel. And as I've mentioned to you, I've led a number of trips to Israel in the past, but this trip is unique. This trip has not been done before. This trip is extra special. And let me tell you why. Uh, This particular trip, this trip to Israel uh, at, at the end of 2023, We're going to travel all around the nation of Israel, the country of Israel, and we're going to focus specifically on the New Testament. Now, we're going to focus on the New Testament not because I don't like the Old Testament. I do like the Old Testament. I'm going to preach through the book of Lamentations for crying out loud, right? Um, But we're going to focus on the New Testament because I really want us to zero in on the life, the ministry, the teaching, the miracles of Jesus, And as I've led a number of trips to Israel in the past, one of the things that I've learned is that for most people, by about day two, you hit information overload. Because you're trying to juggle Old Testament, New Testament, Assyrian, Babylonian, Roman history, all of this information, and it just becomes way too much too early on in the trip. And so we're going to condense it and simplify it and focus on the New Testament. We're going to travel all over Israel, hitting the major sites of Jesus' ministry in Israel. And then, as I've told you before, we're going to jump on a plane and we're going to travel to Greece. And we're going to visit Athens and Corinth. In Corinth, we're going to see the ruins of Corinth. And we're going to see the judgment seat that's, that's there in the ruins of Corinth. And it's going to be a reminder to us that we are going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And our vision, our goal for you here at Grace is that when you stand before Jesus, you hear him say to you, well done, good and faithful servant. We're going to go as well to Athens. And we're going to go to a lot of sites, including Mars Hill, where the Apostle Paul, as the gospel spread The Apostle Paul stood toe-to-toe with the brightest minds of his day. And one of the things we're going to learn there at Mars Hill is that today you can stand toe-to-toe with the brightest minds of today because the gospel can withstand any scrutiny because it's true. So we're going to travel to Corinth, we're going to travel to Athens, then we're going to jump on another plane and we're going to go to Rome and we're going to see big sites like the catacombs and the Colosseum and we're going to talk about how literally the gospel is worth dying for. We're also going to spend time traveling around Rome and we're going to see the, the dungeon where the apostle Paul and Peter were imprisoned. And it's going to be a reminder to us that the gospel didn't die there in Rome. But it's on you and me and every single one of us to continue to spread the good news of Jesus' death and resurrection and what that means as we come back home together. Um, For those of you who are interested in the trip, you can uh, check out the the slide, the webpage. You can go on our events page on our website. It'll take you to a link of the company Morningstar uh, who's gonna help you arrange all the details of the trip. Uh, but uh, what I was working on the past couple of weeks is I'm, I'm wanting to put together a book, a companion guide for those of you who are coming on the trip. 
where it's a day-by-day breakdown of everywhere we're going, everything we're seeing, all the information you need, along with different discussion questions and application questions and even songs that we can sing together because my hope is that this trip is not just tourism, but that it's truly a spiritually transforming experience for you. And so I'm in the process of putting together this book designed to help you in that. And so this is what I was working on the last two weeks. So I wanna thank the elders for allowing me the time. I wanna thank Rob for covering the pulpit while I was working on those. But as you can tell, I've been a little busy. And I know you're busy as well. We're entering into officially, despite the weather outside, this is now fall season. And with the fall, I don't know about with you, but with me, just the other day, I was looking at my calendar. My wife and I share a calendar. So anytime she adds something, it notifies me and vice versa. And I was looking at all these notifications coming in on my phone of all these events that we have upcoming. And I had a moment of being a little bit overwhelmed. Have you had that already? Where you're looking at all the events, all the things you have to do, all of the stuff on your calendar. And I thought, wow, this is just a lot going on. Uh, But fall is all about fresh beginnings. New calendars, new schedule, soccer season and school starting and the Dallas Cowboys are already breaking our hearts and all of those things. But but fall is here, whether we like it or not, whether we're ready for it or not. And it can be just a little bit overwhelming. And so if you're like me, now is a good time to kind of take a step back and reassess my priorities to realize I don't have enough time in the day, I don't have enough days in the week to do everything that I think I need to do. So fall is a great time to just kind of press time out and say, man, I need to make sure my life is properly aligned. And that's exactly what we're gonna talk about today as we begin this three-part series over the high holy days. Uh, Because really beginning sundown tonight, Jewish people all over the world are going to be observing the first of the high holy days called Rosh Hashanah or the Feast of Trumpets is the biblical name. Uh, Then next week, we're going to have Yom Kippur or the Day of Atonement. And then a little after that, we're going to have this period of time called the Feast of Tabernacles. And so we're going to look at these three Old Testament holidays over the next few weeks and talk about what relevance these obscure Old Testament holidays possibly have for our life today. So I want you to open your Bible up to Leviticus 23 and Numbers chapter 29. Not common passages we turn to in our devotional reading, um, but open up to Leviticus 23 and Numbers 29 as we take a look at this holiday that begins at sundown tonight, commonly called Rosh Hashanah or the head of the year, biblically called the Feast of Trumpets. And there on your outline, you can see we're gonna look at a couple of texts. We're gonna talk number two about some traditions about Rosh Hashanah that have developed over time. And then we'll talk about how we as the church, not as Israel, can observe Rosh Hashanah or the Feast of Trumpets even today. So grab your Bibles, hopefully you have found the book of Leviticus by now. If not, it's at the beginning. Uh, Leviticus chapter 23. We're just gonna look at three verses in Leviticus 23 before we flip to Numbers chapter 29. 
Leviticus 23, 23 through 25 says, Again, the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the sons of Israel, saying, In the seventh month, on the first of the month, you shall have a rest or a Sabbath, a reminder by blowing of trumpets, a holy convocation. You shall not do any laborious work, but you shall present an offering by fire to the Lord. And that's it. That's all the information we get on the Feast of Trumpets in Leviticus 23. There's not a lot of information there, right? Uh, Thankfully, God gave the Jewish people a little bit more information in the book of Numbers chapter 29. So I want you to flip to Numbers chapter 29. Um, And as you're flipping to Numbers chapter 29, there's really just one word there in Leviticus 23 that I want you to jot down. It's the word reminder. The Feast of Trumpets or Rosh Hashanah is a reminder holiday. Now, what is it that the Jewish people are supposed to remember on Rosh Hashanah, the Feast of Trumpets? We'll talk about that in a little bit. But first, let's look a little bit more detail. Numbers chapter 29, verses 1 through 6. God elaborates, gives a little more information about Rosh Hashanah or the Feast of Trumpets. Let me read these verses for you. Numbers 29, verses 1 through 6. Now in the seventh month, on the first day of the month, so same day, you shall also have a holy convocation. You shall do no laborious work. It will be for you a day to blow trumpets. You shall offer a burnt offering as a soothing aroma to the Lord, one bull, one ram, and seven male lambs, one year old without defect, and also their grain offering. Fine flour mixed with oil, three-tenths of an ephah for the bull, two-tenths for the ram, one-tenth for each of the seven lambs. Offer one male goat for a sin offering to make atonement for you. Besides the burnt offering of the new moon and its grain offering and the continual burnt offering and its grain offering and their drink offerings, according to their ordinance, for a soothing aroma, an offering by fire to the Lord. All right, now let's be honest. This is not the most exciting passage in the world, right? Uh, First day of the seventh month, blow some trumpets. It's a holy convocation. Don't do any work and make a ton of sacrifices. That's pretty much the gist of the biblical data. That's that's what we get here. Uh, But believe it or not, this particular holiday, Rosh Hashanah, the Feast of Trumpets, is a lot more exciting than it sounds. Uh, But let's look at a few things here in the biblical text, the biblical data. and, And if you want to take some notes, you're welcome to. The first thing you need to understand is that Like I said earlier, the biblical name for this holiday is the Feast of Trumpets. It's the Feast of Trumpets. But over time, it took on another name, Rosh Hashanah, which means the head of the year. The head of the year, you could say the beginning of the year. This day, the first day of the seventh month of the religious calendar, over time became the head of the year, the new year of the civil calendar for the nation of Israel. So the nation of Israel really has two calendars, and this kind of gets confusing. They have a religious calendar and a civil calendar. Rosh Hashanah is the first day of the civil calendar. It's the Jewish new year according to their civil calendar. And on this particular day, again, a couple details here in the text, The nation of Israel is commanded 
This was a day for the blowing of trumpets. For the blowing of trumpets. Now, in the Bible, in the Old Testament, for the nation of Israel, the blowing of trumpets had many different functions, many different purposes. And the context really sheds light into to what's, what, what's the purpose of this. But throughout the Old Testament, the blowing of trumpets sometimes was a call for people to gather together, like here. It's a holy convocation, a holy gathering. But at other times, the blowing of trumpets was meant to send people out. Sometimes the blowing of trumpets was an announcement for war. Sometimes it was an announcement for celebration. And so the context really determines what's the point of the blowing of trumpets. And here the passage tells us, God tells the nation of Israel, listen, this particular day is to be for you a day to blow trumpets. It's a holy convocation, a holy celebration, a holy gathering. You're to do no laborious work. It's a Sabbath day, a day of rest. And associated with this particular day, the Feast of Trumpets, verses two through six, outline that this particular day also was to be filled with sacrifices. You have the details there in the passage of all of the sacrifices that are to be made on the Feast of Trumpets. Again, just take a quick look. One bull, one ram, seven male lambs, one year old without defect. Each of those animal sacrifices had a corresponding grain sacrifice, fine flour mixed with oil, and you have the measurements there. They were to offer, verse 5, one male goat for a sin offering. And all of these sacrifices were made in addition to, verse 6, the regular offerings made on a new moon, all the different grain offerings. So when we take a step back, there's not a ton of biblical data here, but you see that the Feast of Trumpets, or commonly called today Rosh Hashanah, the head of the year, is a day for the blowing of trumpets. It's a reminder holiday. It's a day that's filled with making sacrifices where you're to rest from any work. Over time, that I think the intention God had here on this particular holiday, like I said earlier, it was, it was a reminder holiday. It was a reset holiday. It was their call to the nation of Israel to wake up. Trumpets throughout the Bible were really attention-getting devices, calling God's people that something important is about to happen. And the important thing that's about to happen in the fall holidays is the Day of Atonement. There's a period of days, including the Feast of Trumpets, and the Day of Atonement, 10 days that are often called the Days of Awe, that God gave to the Jewish people. The Feast of Trumpets is that wake-up call saying, the Day of Atonement is fast approaching, and so you need to spend this remaining time getting ready, preparing yourself for this Day of Atonement. Do whatever you need to do to prepare yourself for the day when atonement is going to be made. And that's really what the Feast of Trumpets is ultimately about. It's a wake-up call. It's a warning shot. 
that the Day of Atonement is fast approaching. So that's the biblical data. Over time, different traditions developed that are associated with the Feast of Trumpets or Rosh Hashanah, the head of the year. And so I wanna look at number two on your outline and talk about some of these traditions. Now, let me be upfront from the very beginning. These traditions are in addition to the biblical text, meaning they're not inspired. But these are traditions that go back a long time. And I think as we look at them, there's a lot we can learn from them. They're not inspired, but they are informative. So let's talk about some of the traditions that developed over time that are associated with Rosh Hashanah or the Feast of Trumpets. The first one is obvious. This one is connected to the text. It's blowing trumpets or blowing the shofar. And over the centuries, different rabbis have explained what it is they think it means when God says, this is a day for you for the blowing of trumpets. One rabbi says that the shofar, the trumpet, needs to be blown 100 times on the, on, uh, the Feast of Trumpets on Rosh Hashanah. There's another rabbi who says, no, 100 times isn't enough. It needs to be blown throughout the day, nonstop, all day on Rosh Hashanah, the Feast of Trumpets. Again, it doesn't really matter. God doesn't specify how much the trumpet is supposed to be blown. But think of this, the the purpose of the trumpet being blown. Again, it's a warning call. It's a wake-up call. It's a reminder, going back to Leviticus 23, a reminder that the Day of Atonement is fast approaching. Over time, The sound of the shofar, the sound of the trumpet has also been for the Jewish people a reminder to them that they need to offer and dedicate their life to God. It's a reminder that they need to offer to dedicate their life to God because the day of atonement is fast approaching. Within some areas of Judaism, it's also been associated with the promise that the Messiah can come that the Messiah will come. And for you and I, we're not the nation of Israel, we're the church, but I think that's a great reminder for you and me as well, that at any moment, at any time, any day, Jesus can return at the rapture for his church. The Feast of Trumpets for us can serve as that reminder that at any moment, in the blinking of an eye, we can stand before our Savior. So the shofar is a tradition ultimately meant to be a reminder. The second major tradition associated with Rosh Hashanah, like any Jewish holiday, has to do with food. Um, I love the Jewish holidays uh, for many reasons, and one of those reasons is it often has fantastic food associated with it. On Rosh Hashanah, there are little uh, bread cakes that are made in the shape of a crown in order to remind the Jewish people that God is the king over all the universe. He's the king and creator over all things. But the major food associated with Rosh Hashanah is apples dipped in honey. It's apples dipped in honey. And uh, if you've never done this, by the way, it's an amazing thing. It tastes just majestic. It's a very sweet tasting flavor that hits your mouth, a nice apple dipped in honey. It's, It's beautiful, it's amazing. And over time, this tradition of eating apples dipped in honey is ultimately a prayer that God would bless you with a sweet year. 
Again, this is the civil new year for the Jewish people. And so they eat apples dipped in honey as a prayer, as a tradition to ask God to give them a sweet tasting year. This is similar to our tradition in the United States where we eat black-eyed peas on New Year's Day, right? But this one is much better. I don't like black-eyed peas. They don't taste that great. And so let's replace that tradition uh, with apples dipped in honey. That sounds much better to me. Um, And by the way, tonight at Family Worship Night, we want to invite you to come. We're going to have pizza. We're going to have baptisms. We're going to have lots of songs to sing. And we're going to have apples dipped in honey. So uh, come enjoy some apples dipped in honey with us. Uh, But those those are the fun traditions associated with Rosh Hashanah or the Feast of Trumpets. The next two, C and D under number two on your outline, are a little more solemn. Um, Another tradition that has developed over time with the Feast of Trumpets and Rosh Hashanah is a time of repentance. Because Rosh Hashanah begins this 10-day period called the Days of Awe. Rosh Hashanah begins, or the Feast of Trumpets begins, this 10-day period leading up to the Day of Atonement. And these days of awe are designed to be a time of repentance, a time of self-reflection, a time of introspection, where the Jewish people are encouraged to look inwardly and to ask, where have I sinned against God and sinned against other people in the past year? And these days of awe are designed to be a period of repentance, confessing and turning from our sin. The Jewish people today are also encouraged if they've sinned against one another to use these 10 days in order to make restitution to their brother or sister to whom they've offended. Again, it's not required. I don't see anything in the text that demands that, but what a great tradition for us to set aside regular time where we think back through our life and through our year and say, man, where have I sinned against somebody in my life and how do I need to make that right? Where in my relationship with God have I turned aside and and where do I need some correction in order to pursue him wholeheartedly? And to illustrate This idea of repentance, this is still C under number two on your outline. There's a great tradition called the casting away. I've done this with my family in the past. I think this is a beautiful tradition where um, beginning with the Feast of Trumpets or Rosh Hashanah, Jewish families will take breadcrumbs. And we know in the Old Testament, leavened bread often pictures sin. They take breadcrumbs and they put them in their pocket and they go to a river or a body of water and they symbolically take the breadcrumbs and cast them into the moving body of water and they recite from the book of Micah chapter seven that says, God will cast all your sins into the depths of the sea. It's a beautiful illustration of the forgiveness of God. Now for you and I, for the church, we know that God doesn't forgive our sins as we make restitution with one another. God doesn't forgive our sins as we try to do more right than wrong. God forgives our sins. He forgives anybody's sins only through the finished work of Jesus on the cross. It's only by the work of Christ, his 
death in your place and in my place that we have any chance of being forgiven and we are forgiven by the work of Jesus. But what a beautiful picture that I think we as the church can participate in of if you want to, take some breadcrumbs and take your kids or grandkids and throw those breadcrumbs into a moving body of water and say with one another, if you confess your sins, he, God, Jesus, is faithful to forgive you your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. It's a beautiful picture of God taking away our sins as far as the east is from the west. It reminds me of one of my favorite lyrics in the song, His Mercy is More. It says, what love can remember, no wrong we have done. Omniscient, all-knowing, he counts not their sum. Thrown into the sea without bottom or shore. Our sins, they are many, his mercy is more. It's a great tradition. The fourth tradition I want to talk about there under number two on your outline, associated with Rosh Hashanah, has to do with the book of life. And this is the tradition that we would wholeheartedly disagree with. But the rabbis over the years began to teach that on Rosh Hashanah, on the Feast of Trumpets, God opens three books. He has the book of life, the book of death, and a third book. And every day, so the rabbis teach that on Rosh Hashanah, God writes in the book of life the names of those who have lived a righteous life this past year. He writes in the book of death the names of those who have lived a wicked life for the past year. And he writes in the third book the names of most of us who have lived a life of somewhere in between. We've done a little bit of good and a little bit of bad, right? And they teach that your fate will be sealed on the day of atonement. And so between the days that God writes your names in one of these three books, these 10 days of awe, these 10 days of repentance, you're motivated, if your name is in the third book, to do whatever you need to do to make sure your name is written in the book of life. And so today, a lot of the Jewish people, they will give a lot of money, they will go and serve someplace to make sure that their name is not written in the book of the dead, it's not found in the third book, but it will be written in the first book, the book of life. And this is where you and I can breathe a big sigh of relief. Because we know, we believe, that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life, not by any deeds that you do. Your name is written in the Lamb's book of life because of what Jesus has already done. That your name is written in the Lamb's book of life because you have a relationship with Jesus, the one who has forgiven your sins. And listen, uh, for all of you here, for those of you watching online, if you don't know beyond a shadow of a doubt that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life, if you don't know beyond a shadow of a doubt that your sins are forgiven, that you stand before the Lord redeemed and reconciled, made new, forgiven, I want to give you the opportunity to put your faith in Jesus. To trust in him for the forgiveness of your sins. And you can rejoice, not wondering, but knowing that your name is written in his book. Listen, if you have questions about that, if you think, man, that's just too good to be true, I'd love to talk to you after the service and share with you a little bit more about what Jesus has done for you. So these are the traditions associated with Rosh Hashanah. Blowing the shofar, 
eating some good food like apples and honey, times of repentance and the casting away and making sure that your name is written in the book of life. Let's talk briefly, number three on your outline. How do we as the church observe Rosh Hashanah or the Feast of Trumpets today? Now, let me be clear. As I said earlier, we are not Israel. We are the church. We're not under the old covenant. You have no obligation to do this. I've told you before, when it comes to these particular holidays, you don't get bonus points with God if you do them. You don't lose points with God if you don't do them. You'll lose points with me, but that doesn't really matter. I think these are really fun holidays. Uh, Great points of instruction for ourselves, for our kids, for our grandkids, for future generations to remind us of who God is and what he has done. Uh, But Rosh Hashanah begins at sundown tonight. And so uh, even in neighborhoods around us, we have a lot of Jewish neighborhoods around us, there are Jewish people who will be observing and celebrating Rosh Hashanah beginning tonight. And so you might hear the sound of trumpets. Rosh Hashanah is the Feast of Trumpets. It's a reminder holiday. It's a reminder that the Day of Atonement is upcoming. It's a reminder to the Jewish people, and I think to us, to dedicate our lives to the Lord. And so one of the things that I have done in the past is I've gone on my iPhone, I downloaded a shofar sound, and I set an alarm for every few hours to go off on Rosh Hashanah as a reminder to me to pray, to dedicate my life to the Lord, to ask that he would give me a sweet year. And that's really the second idea I have for you. Uh, Tonight, maybe when you go home or come back tonight for our family worship night or sometime tomorrow, get an apple, dip it in some honey, take a taste and pray that God would give you a blessed and sweet year, a blessed and sweet fall. It's a great time. Third, I'd encourage you over the next 24 hours to spend some time in repentance. Confession and repentance, these are areas of the Christian life that often go neglected. But it's a sweet thing. It's a beautiful thing when we realize we can confess our sins to the Lord knowing that he's forgiven us. That he indeed has taken our sins away as far as the east is from the west. That when we confess our sins, he's faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Rosh Hashanah, the Feast of Trumpets, is a beautiful holiday to remember the forgiveness that we have in Jesus. So those are just a few ideas there on the backside of your outline. I've given you some application questions. Your one thing for this week truly is this. I want to invite you to come back tonight for the family worship night and to enjoy some pizza, some baptism, some songs, and also some apples and honey. We're going to have a great, sweet time together this evening. And listen, I know that not everybody can come tonight. Some of you already have busy schedules like I do, so maybe this didn't fit in your schedule. So I want to give you an alternative. If you can't come tonight to the family worship night and eat some apples and honey, then here is my alternative for you. In the next 24 hours, at your home, at your place of work, wherever you want to, take some time by yourself and enjoy a can of black-eyed peas. Um, um, You can't eat apples and honey, I guess, but um, I'll I'll leave you with the black-eyed peas. So anyway, um, that's what Rosh Hashanah is all about. That's what the Feast of Trumpets is all about. It's a reminder holiday to set our priorities in order, to thank God for his forgiveness, 
to ask him to give us a sweet new year, to put God in his proper place in our life. So I wanna invite you to join with me by starting out this fall on the right foot by celebrating this great holiday. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you uh, for this fun holiday. Uh, Thank you, Father, that because of Jesus, we don't have to worry about whether or not our name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life, but thank you that we can be confident it is. We thank you that because of the finished work of Jesus, we can rejoice and celebrate the fellowship we have with you, the fellowship we have with one another. Thank you, Father, that we get to celebrate tonight those who are going to get baptized, uh, to publicly declare their faith in Jesus and their intention to live for him. Uh, Thank you, Father, for the joy of a sweet fall, for the start of kind of a new season. And God, I pray that as we think about this text, as we think about this holiday, that you would help us to put our priorities in order, that you would make, or that we would make you first in our life, that nothing else would get in the way. Help us, Father, to enjoy a, a sweet life of fellowship, of relationship with you and with one another. Father, thank you for your goodness, your grace, your mercy to us. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.